This episode of the Grow From Your Heart podcast is brought to you by SeedsHereNow.com. With Crypto Wednesdays, James Bean's Vault, and Easy Peasy Credit Card Checkout, you cannot go wrong with SeedsHereNow.com. If you have ever gone to the store for one item, you spent a bunch of money, then got home and realized you forgot to get the one item you went for, now is a good time to click subscribe. Welcome back, podcast world. I'm your host. My friends call me Rasta Jeff. This is episode 776 of the Grow From Your Heart podcast. I've got a fun show lined up for us. Before we jump in, let's do a few shout outs to a few of those great folks who continue to support the show on Patreon. Let's kick it off with a big Grow From Your Heart podcast thank you shout out to a longtime supporter, our friend Nomi by my guacamole. Let's send a big thank you shout out to Danger Cat. Let's send a fist bump and a thank you shout out to OG Roach and the Devil's Weed. I want to send a big fist bump to Grow Man Stan. Let's send a special thank you shout out to Crafted Flower. I want to send a big thank you shout out to my buddy Kojax. Let's send a special thank you shout out to one of my favorite photographers, our friend Levity Loveday. Let's send a big thank you to another longtime supporter, Quasi. Let's send a high five and a fist bump to G7. Then let's send a big old Grow From Your Heart podcast thank you shout out to my friend Danny Potts. Big thanks and big shout out to everybody who continues to support the show on Patreon. If you are not already supporting the show and you would like to learn how to do so, all you have to do is visit www.patreon.com forward slash grow from your heart. All of the information you need will be right there on the screen. And you know, I do include a link in the show notes and in the video description to make it nice and easy for all of my friends to support the podcast. Speaking of support, let's send a big shout out to everybody in Colorado who voted to support the legalization of medical mushrooms. That's right. Here in the state of Colorado, we recently had an election and we did pass the legalization of medical mushrooms. In my opinion, that is a huge step forward. Uh, I believe that if a medicine works for you, you should be able to take it. I was a big proponent, obviously a big supporter of medical cannabis, and I am also a big supporter of the medical mushroom movement. I believe, like I said, if something helps you improve the quality of your life, if your mental state is improved, if your physical state is improved, we should be able to consume what we like. Even if it doesn't improve our state, we should be able to do what we like to do with and to our bodies. That's the freedom that I feel we should be given. So I do support this legalization of medical mushrooms. Big up to the entire state of Colorado. Uh, thank you to everybody who voted for that. I definitely voted for that. I know several people who were on Team Mushroom. So big up. Proud of you, Colorado. You guys, this can be taken as a very serious change in time. This is how the medical marijuana movement started. This is how dispensaries popped up. This is how we started the cannabis movement in Colorado. It started with the medical cannabis. We had a couple of dispensaries. Then we had a lot of dispensaries. Then they were everywhere. That led to people that didn't have medical marijuana seeing dispensaries and saying, why can't I shop there? Then we passed recreational cannabis. Now we've got legal adult use cannabis where everybody 21 and over can walk into a dispensary. If they've got the proper ID, they can buy legal cannabis. This is the same thing that is happening with medical mushrooms. Pretty soon, if we shape the laws correctly, there will be stores where you can go and you can buy your legal medical mushrooms. If you have been growing, cultivating, 
uh, spreading mushroom magic since before legalization, this could be the time for you to take control of a brand new business opportunity. You could possibly open a mushroom dispensary. This is how the medical marijuana movement happened. This will be no different with medical mushrooms, in my opinion. A lot of people look up to those few people who started the medical cannabis movement here who were well-known for growing, making concentrates, just being involved in the movement. You look at those people like pioneers, you can be that in the mushroom movement if you take the initiative to do that now. So if you are a business-minded person, if you are a mushroom cultivator, if you've been a mushroom uh, mushroom magician, if you've been a, a mushroom shaman for several years, there are a few of my friends that your faces are popping into my mind right now. You know who I'm talking to, bro. You're here in Colorado. You're already cultivating mushrooms. You know how to do it. Let's get you a building. Let's set you up a fully legal mushroom dispensary. Now is the time, you guys. Let's figure out how legal that is, how you can do it, get ahead of the game, and let's get that going. Because if you don't get it going, eventually some corporation or some big-time company will come in and they will take over your spot. You've got passion. You've got commitment. You've got the magic. You don't want some company coming in that doesn't have that. They've got money, and they've got the ability to buy a building and produce mushrooms and sell them. I'd prefer somebody with some experience and some passion in it, just like we preferred in cannabis. All right, so now is the opportunity, you guys. That was the bottom line there. Big up to Colorado for uh, passing the medical mushroom initiative there. And also, you guys, if this is your uh, your spot in the world, this may be your time to shine. Let's get that medical mushroom dispensary going. And hey, once you get it going, uh, reach out. I would love to trade some advertising for some store credit if you know what I'm saying. All right. Big up to the Mushroom Gang. Big up to everybody who voted. I know I try not to get too political on this show. Mike's not here today. We don't need to talk about politics, but big up to everybody who voted. We are obviously making change because we did legalize mushrooms. That's pretty amazing to me. All right, let's move forward. I do have something else I want to talk about. There is one person uh, who watches and listens to this podcast who sends me plenty of emails, and they question every single Thing that I say. They doubt all of my techniques. They doubt all of my methods, uh, but then they grow using a lot of my techniques and methods. But every podcast I put out, I get feedback about how one thing I said could have been wrong, how it would have been better if I did this. Um, I want to say that is good. You guys question everything. I am not the only uh, cannabis grower on the planet. I'm not the only breeder on the planet. I'm not the only podcaster on the planet. I'm not the only one with ideas and standard operating procedures of how this plant could and can be grown. I don't know your room. I don't know your environment. I don't know your needs. Maybe I'm completely wrong with what you need from a cannabis plant or your cultivation. When I say something, I'm speaking what works for me and what has been proven to work in a commercial environment and several other uh, private and personal uh, cultivation areas. It might not work for you. So take everything I say as suggestion do your own research. And if you question things that I say, that is good. You should question everything. You should never trust anybody. You should always double check me, reference me, cross check me. Make sure that what I'm saying applies to the project you are working on. I enjoy that there's somebody out there who's questioning everything that I say. It keeps me on my toes and it reminds me that the things I'm teaching, maybe I say, do this to your plant on one episode. Then I'll read a totally different message and I'll say, do not do this to your plant. And it'll just be situational. But Maybe in a different situation, it would be totally different advice. So take everything I say situationally and take it all as a suggestion. And remember, I am not the Wizard of Oz. I'm not the grow guru. I've got a lot of experience in different types of environments. I've grown in homes. I've grown in warehouses. I've grown in garages. I've grown in shacks. I've grown in 
any type of environment you can imagine, a beautiful warehouse, a filthy warehouse. I've done grows indoors and outdoors in greenhouses. So that makes me think that I know how to do a lot of things, but I may not know how to do exactly what you need done. So get some ideas, do some research, and definitely cross-reference and double-check because I'm not the only one out here teaching. There are other ideas and ways to do it. The way that I do it is the way that I do it. The way you do it may be totally different, and guess what? It's not wrong. The way another guy does it could be totally different. Guess what? Still not wrong. As long as we are all having a safe, effective, satisfying harvest, nobody's doing it wrong. When you do it wrong is when you are contaminating product, poisoning patients, or killing plants. That's when you're doing it wrong. So if you're questioning what I'm teaching you, that is good. Question everything. Don't believe anything anybody says. Like I said, double check me, cross check me, check some references, listen to other podcasts, read some other books. Honestly, before you even listen to my podcast, I would highly recommend that you read a few basic grow books. A lot of people send me questions. I see crazy questions on social media. And I, I honestly think that many of those questions could have been answered if somebody just bought a basic grow book from your favorite grow author. It could be uh, Ed Rosenthal, Jorge Cervantes, Greg Green, Mel Frank. There are a bunch of people out there that write great cannabis books. Uh, read one of them. Learn the basics. Or go to a website that teaches you the basics so that you understand the basics. Learn the basics, then listen to these podcasts, then read more books, listen to more podcasts, expand your knowledge, double-check everything, cross-reference it. But I am not offended that you question everything that I say, that you doubt some of my advice. That is a great thing. Challenge me. Challenge yourself. Uh, the number one thing that people challenge me on is the 18.6 uh, increasing uh, bud density and speeding up flowering time at the end of flower. Uh, let me talk about that really quickly. I believe that at the end of flower for the past, for the last 10 to 14 days of flower, I turn my lights back to 18 on and six hours off because I believe it makes my plants finish a little more quickly and they get a little more dense. I just feel like they're, uh, they get chunkier and fatter and there's more weight and more density. So that's something that I do. A lot of people think that that is completely crazy. You know who really doesn't think it's crazy? The people who have tried it. They all report back with great results. The only people who have negative feedback and negative ideas are the people who have not tried that. So question me, doubt me, but then go try the shit that I recommend and see if it works for you. Don't be afraid to experiment. You may kill a couple of plants. You may also realize that you just learned a super amazing technique that will improve your grow and increase the amount of harvest you're going to get this time and every harvest from here on out. But please do question me. I am not some grow guru. I've got a lot of experience and I've got insomnia. I don't sleep very well. And instead of just playing video games or doing something weird, I read the internet. I read books. I scroll around and figure out how to grow weed better. That's how I got really good at producing cannabis is I just have insomnia. Instead of wasting that time, I do a lot of reading. And then after I read, I apply what I read. You can read a lot of books. Uh, you could read how to do a lot of things. But until you put your hands in the dirt, get some scissors in your hand, pull on some leaves, smell those plants, you're not going to get the experience from the book. You got to get in there. But read those books, then get in there and grow that weed. That's why I'm. Uh, that's why I know a lot of stuff because I've read the books and then I just went and did it. I got lucky enough to build my own personal grow way early on in the legalization movement, uh, possibly before that, but we won't talk too much about that. Uh, and then I got lucky enough to be involved in several commercial facilities, and I learned a lot in every one of those facilities. Also, I'm friends with a lot of great growers and breeders, so that helps out. That gives me a lot of input. Uh, I'm passionately curious. I love learning. If I care about a subject, I will absorb all of the info that I can as quickly as possible, and that's what I've done with cannabis. And I kind of feel like it's my job to 
feed that information to you guys in an understandable way. I take in a lot of things and then I try to filter it and put it back out there in a way that uh, all of you listening learn in a different way. And I try to teach each and every one of you in a way that you can uh, be entertained and learn the thing I'm trying to teach without getting bored. Because uh, I did not like listening in school. You can tell by my rambles here. I've got ADD and I don't like to stay on one subject for very long unless I'm super interested. Obviously, cannabis keeps me interested. Anyway, um, just because I teach one way doesn't mean that's the only way to do things. Double check me, cross-reference me, and um, be flexible, you guys. And like I said a minute ago, there's no wrong way to do it. The only wrong way to do it is it, like I said, if you're poisoning somebody, if you burn down the grow, if you kill down, if you kill all the plants, shit like that is when you fail. You know when you do that. If you're happy with your harvest, you can do everything completely differently than me. I grow in soilless mix and cocoa. You may do it in hydro. We're already going way different. We're both going to have successful outcomes. We're both on the same team, and that is what counts. All right, I rambled for way too long on that. Let's move forward into the next topic here. I recently popped into a chat room, and they were having a heated debate. The topic of that debate was, when is day one of flower? We like to keep track of how long our plants have been in the flowering phase. It's good to have a mark of when day one is. That way you know how long you've been going, how long to anticipate before harvest. So a lot of people are arguing, when is day one? Day one is the day that you turn your timer from 18.6 or 24 or whatever it's on to 12.12. Day one is the day you change that timer to a shorter day. That first short day is day one. That is day one. I wouldn't wait until you see pistols. I wouldn't wait until something else happens. Why make it an algebra problem? We've already got the answer. It was today. I changed the light from 18.6 to 12.12 on Thursday, November 10th. That is day one. We're going to write that down. That will forever be day one. That can't change. That won't be adjusted. That is the solid day one. The breeders write on the seed pack how long we think those seeds should probably take. And I am putting those numbers on the pack. I'm making the seeds. I'm the one making the packages. I'm making the labels. I know that those seeds are going to take approximately 70 days from the day that you change the light cycle. I didn't change the light cycle, wait to see something happen, then start counting. That is, that's silly. That is what I'm calling that an algebra problem. It's not flower time plus two minus two weeks minus five days plus the amount of light hours. No, it's from fucking, like I said, November 10th is day one because that's when we change the timer. That is the day. On my seed packages, you will see stuff like nine to 10 weeks flowering time, 10 to 12 weeks flowering time. I put that stuff on there because I have determined that that is how long those seeds take in the average grow environment. I have grown those seeds myself, grown them plenty of times to see how long they take in my grow space. Then I sent those seeds out to friends, to testers, and they grow them. They send me test results. They send me test reports. They tell me how long it took those plants to flower. I compile all of that data and I do an average basically. Most of the time it's about 70 days for the stuff that I breed. I see some stuff come a little bit early. I see some stuff a little bit longer, but I do include that on the package. If I say these plants finish in nine to 10 weeks, that means out of the hundred tester packs I sent, probably 70 to 80% of them finished in the time frame I printed on that package. There will be outliers. There will always be outliers. Those outliers may finish earlier than the time I recommended. Those outliers also could take longer than the time I recommended on the package, but that number I put on the package is ideally the amount of time it should take for those plants to finish in most conditions. You may have extreme heat, you may have extreme cold, you may have extreme dry or humid, 
You may over or underwater. You may over or underfeed. I don't know what could go on in your room, but in most cases, the time I put on the back of that package is fairly accurate. So when I say those seeds are going to take approximately nine to 10 weeks, that means that when I grew them, most of my phenotypes took nine to 10 weeks. When my testers grew them, most of them took nine to 10 weeks. I get a lot of pictures. I get a lot of reports and I just compile that data together and I really pay attention to what people tell me. And then I make all of the descriptions and reports based on what I saw and based on what all of the test growers saw. And then I try to compile and convey that information to you in a useful way. I try to put that data on the package. I try to make sure it's on the website. I really do try my best to get all of that accurate data to you because I know how critical and crucial that is in a grow. It does really help to have a good idea of how long it is going to take for these seeds or plants to finish in your grow. Now, let me add on to this. I keep saying the plants may take nine to 10 weeks or eight to nine weeks to finish. Let's talk about something very important here. When I'm saying nine weeks, I mean they will take nine full weeks to finish, not let eight weeks happen and then cut it down at the start of week nine. I mean, let nine weeks finish. If I said nine weeks, that is 63 full days. I want that ninth week to finish. You've got to put in that last week. Don't cut it down a full week early. Let it go long enough. Most of what I'm going to breed and sell to you is going to take about 70 days. So make sure you're letting it go at least nine, maybe even 10, maybe 11 weeks. Uh, the only real way to tell when that plant is done is to have a scope, maybe a magnifying glass that hooks up to your computer, some way to look at the trichomes. You need at least a 60, maybe a 100X scope. Get in there, look at those trichomes. When they are starting to get amber in color is when it is time to harvest your plants. Look at a couple of different spots at the plant. Look at the top, look at the middle, look kind of lower. The tops are going to be more done. The middles won't be done as much and the bottoms are not nearly as finished on some plants, depending on the size. But if you got large plants, they'll finish at different rates. Look up here, see how much, look at the trichomes. They're going to go from clear to like a silvery blue to milky. Then they'll start turning amber. When 20 to 30% of those trichomes look like you dipped them in Dr. Pepper, that is when it is time to cut down that plant. But I would look on several different locations of the plant. Look kind of high, look around the main top, look around the secondaries, look at the lowers, see what color the trichomes are. Also, don't stress too much on the exact day when you harvest. There is a harvest window. We like to say it's a harvest window of peak ripeness. It's not going to be right at one day, one hour. You've got a couple of days of a window. Some people really overthink and they stress way too hard on when to harvest their plants. As long as you've got 20 to 30% of that amber trichomes going on on your buds, you will have a quality harvest. I recommend letting that first batch go probably 10, maybe 11 weeks. Pay really close attention to the trichomes. Pay really close attention to the health of the plant. Then I don't recommend doing the 18.6 on the first run. I recommend that on runs after you've learned the plant. We need to see how long it takes. We need to learn when to start flushing. We need to learn when to flip the light again. We need to learn the details of this plant before we start doing too many tricks to it. So this first run, let it go 70 days. Pay attention to it. Then maybe next time, let it go 77. Let it go too long the first time, maybe. This is just the first date. Make a good first date so you can learn something. The second, the third, the fourth date, that's when things will really start getting hot. Build a relationship with your plants, you guys. Too many people want to grow uh, new shit every time. And I feel like you, that's fun. That's really cool. You get new flavors, new aromas, a new buzz every time. But if you pick one or two plants and you grow the shit out of them for four or five cycles, you'll learn that like around week three, if I defoliate this one, it really starts chunking up. 
around week six, if I give this one a whole bunch of bud swell, it really takes off. If I let this one go 11 weeks, it really finishes super fat. You'll start learning things like that. You'll learn if I give it a little more CalMag or if I cut out the CalMag or give it a little bit of this or that at a certain time, it really goes shebang. Start paying attention to the plants, dial them in, get each cultivar perfected before you add too many more to the mix. All right, so that is my rant on day one is day one. Don't let anybody else tell you otherwise. Uh, I am the one who puts the numbers on the package. I made the seeds. I made the package. I made the label. I did the testing. I know how long they should take. So take my advice. Follow that number that I put on my package of my seeds that you bought from me because you trust me. All right, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, pimps and hoes, friends, foes, smokers, growers, clone cutters, pollen chuckers, skeptics, and believers. I do want to thank each and every one of you for listening to another episode of the Grow From Your Heart podcast. If you have any questions, corrections, comments, or concerns, I would love to hear from you. The email address is hotmail.com. Don't be shy. Send me your constructive criticism, your positive feedback. I would love to hear what you've got to say. Uh, make sure you support the Patreon campaign at patreon.com forward slash heart. Everything else you could possibly need will be on my website, iriegenetics.com. Make sure you check out iriegenetics.com. Click on the iri direct link. There will be a Black Friday sale where I will be dropping the Lemon Jeffrey and the Golden Goat Feminized Seeds for Black Friday. Make sure you sign up for the newsletter. Get all the current updates for that stuff. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, I think that's all I've got for you for this episode. I know this was a quick show. I had a good time. I look forward to coming back next week with great new content. I want to give a big shout out to my buddy Fiscal's Organics. And until next time, take a fat dab and give your mom a hug for me.